the title is going to be called uh, Are You Ready? I pray that you, we can learn more about you know, the importance of the time that we live in. And uh, we need, I want to impress upon each one of us that it's very important that we get ready now. Amen? That you do not delay to get ready. Before I begin, I want to share with you a quotation. The convocations of the church, as in camp meetings, the assemblies of the home church, and all occasions where there is personal labor for souls are God's appointed opportunities for giving the early and the latter rain. Amen? You know, I was talk- last year when we were at Manitoulin Mission, I was talking to one of our missionaries, and, you know, he's been to, he has, have, how many of you guys have heard of GYC before? Probably all of us, right? He's been to GYC several times. He says, he said something to me that was very interesting. He said, you know, I don't go to GYC anymore to really learn anything, to really receive a blessing. I go there to meet friends. And, you know, youth conferences like this are really great because you get to, new, you get to meet new people. How many of you have met a new person already? Yes, good. And I hope that you guys take, a, take advantage of the, the venue that we have to meet new people, to make new friends, to network. But, you know, amidst, amidst the hustle and the bustle, we don't want to miss out on what God really wants to do in our personal lives. Amen? So I encourage each one of us, especially this year since we have a very small venue. Usually we're at a hotel or at a large school. But this year is a very small venue, very intimate. Could be, there's going to be a lot of traffic, a lot of noise, a lot of hustle and bustle. And amidst all that, we might miss out on what God's really trying to do in each one of our personal lives. So Spirit of Policy says that gatherings like this is opportunities for God to pour down his Holy Spirit on each one of us. And I hope that each one of us can take the time to ask God for that experience. All right, before we get into are you ready, let's pray together. Dear God, I want to thank you so much for bringing each one of us here to ECYC. And Lord, we want to pray that you please be with us in a very special way. Lord, you know that I'm a sinner and I need your help. We all, Lord, are sinful and we are stubborn. Our hearts are naturally bent towards evil. But, Lord, we want to ask that your Holy Spirit will guide our minds and our hearts and open up our hearts to receive what you have to give us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, verse 40 to 44. Matthew chapter 24. As we discuss, are you ready? All right, verse 40. Then two men then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, and one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Some people believe that this is referring to like, the secret rapture. So, you know, um, two men will be like on the tractor, and then all of a sudden, boom, God will take one person, and the other person will be like wondering where he went. You know, two women will be in like, some like bakery, and then boom, God will take one person, and the other woman will be wondering where, he went, where she went. But I think that misses the point of what Jesus is really trying to say. The point that Jesus is trying to say is that in the last days, that there will be two groups of people, and only two groups of people. One group will be ready to meet Jesus, and the other group will not. Are we understood? In fact, I think this actually has some symbolic meaning, because Jesus says the field is the world. And so you have, you have two groups of people. 
doing evangelism, but one group will be ready, the other group will be not. And the Bible says that women represents a church, and they're grinding at the mill, making bread. The bread represents the word of God. There'll be two groups of people, two, church, two groups of Christianities. One, one will be sharing the word of God. Actually, both are sharing the word of God, but one will be ready, and the other not. But the message to us is this. Us as Seventh-day Adventists, are you ready to meet Jesus? Why does Jesus say to be ready in this, in this verse? You can talk to me. Exactly, because you do not know when he's coming. You know, this past year, my, my uh, family, the Lord really taught our family this very important lesson through the tragic death of my mother. It was in this past March, my, we got a phone call from the police telling us that my mother's house was on fire. It was sudden, it was very, unexpected and it, it really taught us the lesson that you always need to be ready because you do not know when your probation will close amen? amen and so experiencing my mother's death it really got me to start thinking as probably all of us would probably do the same as well if your mother died tragically right so it got me thinking it started to really uh, allow get me to think and reflect about my own status with God the last days and the times that we really live in. So I want to share some of these things with you today. First thing that the Lord taught me about being ready for His second coming is that you have to, we as young people, have to realize that Canada is not our home. Amen? Okay, Canada is not our home. Go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 to 16. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 to 16. These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed them, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them, prepared a city for them. Notice in verse, 15, this verse 13 it says, these. Who are these? Well, these include people like Enoch, who God, who lived on this earth, but God took to heaven. These people include people like Noah, whose house was destroyed by the flood. And people like Abraham, who, was, who God called out of, out of Mesopotamia to Rome in Canaan. And all these people do not have their inheritance on this planet. What are they looking for? A better country. Yes, what kind of country? A heavenly country. Okay. Our homes on this earth are temporary, amen? You know, this is a photograph from CTV News, and this is actually the picture of my mother's house on fire. And I do not, you know, I still remember to this day when we first got onto the site of my father of my mother's house because there's a very long driveway into my mother's house and so you can't see the house and and it's covered by trees as you can see and so the police cars were blocking my mother's entrance so we couldn't get in so what we did we went to our neighbor's house and in the distance we can see our house our mother's house on fire and these are very tall trees so you can you can imagine how how big the fire was and you know as we were driving up to my mother's place I was 
you know, I was just hoping against hope that the news wasn't true, that it was, that somehow they made a mistake. But, you know, once we saw across the field, we saw that fire burning like that, we realized what had really happened. You know, I want to ask you, I want to tell you guys that whatever, everything on this earth is going to burn one day. Yes, isn't that what the Bible says? And everything in this world is very temporary. And we have to, us as young people, to make up our minds, we have to ask God to really impress upon us that this place is truly not our home. And it's really hard for us young people to really think that way, yes? It's hard to think that way, but it's true. It's very true, and I really realized it when my mother passed away. You know, what is, what is your ambition in life? Do you plan to get a nine-to-five job, live in a very comfortable suburban house in Montreal, Toronto, you know, have a nice cottage up in Muskoka, you know, have a boating, boating sessions every holiday? Is that what you want? Or do you, is your heart seeking after heaven? Jesus himself said about himself, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has what? Nowhere to lay his head. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive it to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen? Amen. That's John chapter 14. Jesus is coming very soon. Amen? And we need to seek God's kingdom first. The Bible says, Matthew 6, Seek ye first the what? Kingdom. kingdom of God and His righteousness. Amen. So the very first thing I really realized from my mother's, from this experience with my mother is that truly Canada, no matter how good a country Canada is, is truly not our home. We are just pilgrims passing through. Amen? Amen. So us as end time generation young people, we have to realize this, that calamities are going to happen on this planet. If our hearts on this earth, like Lot's wife was, then we will also perish with it. And God does not want that to happen to us. Amen? He has mansions for each one of us. Why would you leave it vacant? Because your heart was on this planet. Second thing I learned, we do not know when our probation will close. What did I say? We do not know when our probation will close. Let's go, to, let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse... 44, as we discuss, are you ready? <laughs> Verse 44 says, Therefore, you also be what? Be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I believe that this, is, this verse is talking about specifically the literal second coming of Jesus Christ. However, when we die, our probation closes, amen? And the next thing that we know is either we're in the resurrection of life or the resurrection of of damnation. And for my mother, she could not see Jesus coming again. So her probation ended when she died. And she had to have been ready. Friends, we do not know when our probation is going to close. Yes? And also, Seventh-day Adventists, we have a very unique view of when probation closes because a lot of people, they believe that probation either closes at when Jesus comes or it closes when, when you die. But Adventists have a very unique understanding, a very different perspective. Let's go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. Because of our understanding of the investigative judgment, probation doesn't necessarily close only when you die or if, we, or if Jesus comes again. And this will emphasize to us the need to always be ready day by day. 
uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days. Who's the Ancient of Days? God the Father, yes, was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousand ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. Now go down to verse 13. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. A lot of people read this text, and they think that it's referring to the second coming. But notice, Jesus, the Son of Man, is coming to who? To the Ancient of Days. It's not coming to the earth. So this is actually not referring to the second coming. Look what Ellen White says. The coming of Christ here described, it's on the screen, is not his second coming to the earth. He comes to the Ancient of Days in heaven to receive dominion and glory in a kingdom which will be given to him at the close of his work as a mediator. It is this coming and not his second advent to the earth that was foretold in prophecy to take place at the termination of the 2300 days in 1844. Our great high priest enters the Holy of Holies and there appears before the presence of God to engage in the last acts of his administration in behalf of man, to, for, to perform the work of investigated judgment and to make an atonement for all who are shown to be entitled to its, to its benefits. So what is, it, what is this passage in Daniel chapter 7 referring to? The second coming? No, the, the investigative judgment, which began in 1844. So we as Seventh-day Adventists, as young people, we know that, that we, we teach, and we believe that the investigative judgment began in 1844. And this is why part of our message says in Revelation chapter 14, verse 7, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the what? The hour of his judgment is come. Okay, so then what does the investigative judgment have to do with me being ready? We don't need to guess. Uh, the inspiration tells us. The judgment is now passing in the sanctuary above. For many years, this work has been in progress. Soon, none know how soon, it will pass to the cases of the living. And then she continues, Perilous is the condition of those who, growing weary of their watch, turn to the attractions of the world, while the son of man, while the man of, man of business is absorbed in the pursuit of gain, while the pleasure lover is seeking indulgence, while the daughter of fashion is arranging her orna, or, ornaments, adornments. Sorry. It may be in that hour the judge of all the earth will pronounce the sentence, you are weighed in the balances and are found wanting. Mercy? Yes? Very solemn words. So, you know, the Bible tells us that right now there's an investigative judgment happening on this earth. And we do not assume that, that it's that's still at the dead people. She says that soon and very soon it might be go to us who are living. And we do not know when 
our, when our cases will come before God. And this is, that, this is why we need to be ready. And in fact, she says that our, if we are so distracted, we might, we might just continue living, not even realizing that our cases are already finished and God has already given the pronouncement. Very solemn words, amen? But, but this is truth and we need to always be right now. I want to ask you, how come God doesn't tell us beforehand why, our, why when our probation will close? Yeah, I, I, yeah, so I, I think, I, so I, think I, I, I liken it to kind of writing exams. So, you know, um, most schools, they tell you when exam period is, yes? Is that true? And so this is why a lot of students procrastinate, because they know when exams are coming up. And so they, they, since they already, know what, they already know kind of when it's coming up, they kind of procrastinate until it comes up. But imagine if they said, hey, exams can happen at any time of the year. <laughs> what would happen? <laughs> okay, either everyone will be failing or everyone will be staying on top of things, yes? And you see, this is exactly the point. If God were to say, hey, Omar, you have 10 years, then what would Omar do? Hey, I can let's party and live it up for the nine years, but once it gets the last year, let's start reading my Bible and Spirit of Prophecy, yes? But that, but that's, that doesn't show true commitment, amen? And God doesn't want, God doesn't want, to go, want us to go around sinning, hurting other people, hurting ourselves for how many so years and then get our act together at the end. Yes, God cannot allow that to happen. Therefore, he says, he, he keeps it from us. God is wise, amen? So, how do we prepare? You know, my mother, she, the one thing, you know, since my mother's passing away, I've been thinking a lot about the lessons that my mother taught us. And one thing that she really taught us was about the importance of preparing because we live in the investigative judgment. And you know, one of the important things to do as we prepare ourselves is to examine our hearts and to truly repent. What did I say? Examine our hearts and truly repent. In Psalms chapter 139 it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need to ask God to look, to search our hearts and then reveal to us our, the sinful tendencies, the sinful nature, the weakness that we have, and then to ask us, to ask Him to change our hearts. Amen? And the amazing thing is that God wants to change our hearts. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, it says, Come unto me, all you who are heavy, labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen? Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, I used to... How many of you guys like sports here? Yeah, we used to love playing soccer. And we, when we were teenagers, you know, you're kind of a little bit more energetic and stuff. And so we played, you know, even if it was raining, cold, you know how it is, teenage boys, yes? And, you know, we used to, our church used to play every Sunday. And our, we had this friend, his name was Joshua, and he used to wear these white pants, these white track pants. And, you know, we used to play, and, like, you know how teenagers play? We kind of slide, just, you know, just play, just like, you know? And so every, at the end of every game, those, those track pants would get dirty, really, really filthy dirty. But then next Sunday, he'd come back, and they would be, they'd be completely white again. 
Yes? And that's exactly what God can do for us. Amen? Though no matter how much our lives have been sinful, if we recognize in the times that we live in, that we live in the investigate judgment, if we sincerely repent to God, God can make our records completely clean. And the Bible says it, He calls it blotting out of our sins. Yes, so why would you not go to God to ask forgiveness for your sins? So I hope that this year's ECYC, that you will take time to search your hearts to ask God to, to give you true repentance. And the deeper your repentance, the deeper our experience with God. Amen? You know, the reason why a lot of people, a lot of us have sh very shallow Christian experiences is because we have not done a thorough work in repentance. A, the reason why a lot of us do not love Jesus more is because we have not experienced His grace as much. So when you repent and truly, truly experience the forgiveness and the grace of God, then your love for Jesus will grow so much more. And that's the experience that we, God wants to give to each one of us. Amen? Now the third thing I really learned from my mother is that now is the time for character development. What did I say? Now is the time for character development. Let's go to Revelation chapter 7, verse 1 to 14. What is the only thing that, we, that you and I can take to heaven? Is our character, yes. Is our character. Revelation chapter 7. Let's start at verse 1. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have what? Sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. It's now, don't ask me if it's a literal or figurative. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Okay, the point is that in the last days, God is doing a sealing work. Yes? He's doing a sealing work. He's sealing His people. Now, what kind of people are sealed? Let's go to Revelation chapter 14. What kind of people are sealed? Revelation chapter 14, verse 4 to 5. Talking about the exactly same 144,000. These are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, and they were what? Without fault before the throne of God. Ellen White comments, the seal of God will never be placed upon an impure man or woman. It will never be placed upon the forehead of the ambitious, world-loving man or woman. It will never be placed upon the forehead of men and women of false tongues of deceitful hearts. All who receive the seal must be without spot before God, candidates of, candidates of heaven. Now is the time to do a thorough work in character development. Amen? Is not, there's no time to delay. And that's one of the very important lessons that my mother taught me. You know, all of us, we grow up with character defects, yes? Is anyone here perfect? <laughs> we all have 
tendencies, you know, um, propensities, you know, because, because of, you know, we're, we're sinners and we cultivate these things. And my mother and like the rest of the Cho family, she has a very strong personality. And often myself and my mother and other siblings, we kind of, you know, butt heads, yes? And then when my mother experienced true conversion, she realized that God really wanted to purify our characters. And so she took up the work of character development. And I can truly say that since the time of her true conversion, that I can see that God was truly, truly transforming my mother's life. And sometimes she would actually come up to me, and you know, she would have the, me and her would butt heads the most. And she would come up to me and she'd say, you know, do you notice that I'm not getting angry as often? And I would say yes, because God was truly working in her life. Amen? Amen? And this is what God wants to do with each one of us. Do you struggle with jealousy, envy, pride? I like the way Mark Finley said at ASI this year. She says that, um, he said that God will not pour down the Holy Spirit on someone who even has an ounce of pride. Do you have pride? Do you have vanity? Do you post up pictures on Facebook so that other people can you know, marvel at how good you look? God cannot take this to heaven, amen? So I'm really glad that, that this year Robert is doing a seminar on righteousness by faith, a very important topic that we all need to learn. Righteousness, the character, perfect character of Christ is obtained only by the power of God. I should have had an amen. Only through faith in His power can we obtain that pure righteousness. The Bible says, Psalms 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Jude 1.24, Now to Him, as in God, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. The Bible in 1 John 3.6, it says, Whoever abides in Him sins not. Amen? If you want to overcome sin, you have to be constantly abiding in Christ. Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the what? The hope of glory. That's actually righteousness by faith summed up. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We as God's last day, Seventh-day Adventist young people, we need to claim the righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Yes? And not only faith that's imputed to us, but faith that is imparted. So we can actually live the life of Christ. Amen? Amen? And I hope that each one of us can take the time to have, to experience that at the ECYC this year. Now, in close, actually I want to read one more quote. This, this is how important that this subject is. Ellen says, Christ object lessons, when the character of Christ shall be what? Perfectly reproduced in his people. Then he will come to claim them as his own. Jesus longs to come but he also needs the people that are ready. Now, just to, um, some people might say, you know, didn't Illinois say that there will be, that um, the, the church as a whole will never be ready? Have you ever, how many of you have read this statement before? She says, are you, wa- are you waiting for the whole, all the church to be revived? She says that time will never come. So then how can, how can Jesus be waiting for the, whole, for the character of Christ to be perfectly reproduced in his children, in his church, but at the same time Illinois says that the whole church will not be revived. Well, the simple answer is that this is the reason why God has the shaking, because He's going to shake out those who are not faithful to Him. 
So each one of us, you know, we could look at the church and say, oh, there's this problem, there's that problem, there's this elder, there's that deacon, there's this person, right? But that's not, that's not our, our duty, amen? amen? We have to look at ourselves. Are we ready? Do we exemplify Christ's character? Then as long as, long as we're ready, that's what really matters. Now the final, final point, final lesson I really learned from my mother is that we must be ready because we live in the time of the final crisis. How many of you really believe that we live in the time of the final crisis? Yes, I truly believe it. And if you look in what's happening in world politics, it just makes me even firmer in that belief. Let's go to Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 to 17 as a final text. Revelation chapter 13, 11 to 17. Verse 11 to 17. Then I saw another beast. What does a beast represent in prophecy? A kingdom coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercised all the authority of the first beast. How many of you know who the first beast or what the first beast is? The Roman Catholic Church. So this beast exercises all the authority of the first beast. The Roman Catholic Church in the Dark Ages, all that authority. Now this second beast exercises that authority. It is... Um, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Through verse 13, he performs great, great signs so that he makes fire come down from heaven, on the side, from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And it deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he, granted to, he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted to give power he granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as will not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their, fore on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who, was, who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Very quickly. In the last days, the Bible says that the United States of America, the Protestant churches, and the Catholic Church will unite to force everyone to worship on Sunday. How many of you have never heard this before? All of us have heard this, yes. Okay, good. And that if, you, if those who will, not, who, don't, who will not follow the Sunday, Sunday commandment will, will, have, will either will not be able to allow to buy or sell or or, and later they will be killed. And how many know who this fellow is? What's his name? Eric Wallace. Eric Wallace yes, he's famous now, eh? <laughs> he was, uh, I'm pretty sure many of us have heard about what happened to him. He was, he was supposed to speak at some place, uh, some school, and then the, some, um, some groups in the school, they found some sermons um, that he was preaching. You know, he was preaching just straight Adventist stuff, straight biblical stuff, like, you know, the Pope, the, I mean, the Roman Catholic Church is anti-Christ. He was speaking against um, like things like Hollywood. Uh, he was standing up for the biblical understanding of marriage as between a man and a woman. But what happened was these, um, these I guess these high school kids, they made it public and then became this huge fiasco. And basically he was the public health director of Pasadena County in California. He lost his job um, and then he was supposed to get another job, I think, in Georgia somewhere. He lost that job, you know, and, and in fact, he, at ASI, he was talking, and he says that 
they were, people were actually asking him to come and to recant. You guys know what recant means? To basically take back what you're saying. You know, just take back what you're saying, it'll be all right. You'll get your job back and blah, 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 blah. But you know, what he said was so inspiring. He said that I'd rather, I'd rather die than to, than to recant the things that I've taught. Amen? So, and we must all come to that place because that's going to come, that's going to soon happen to each and every single one of us. You know, Eric Walsh, says that what happened to him is a small microcosm of what's going to happen to the Adventist church in the future. So, you know, reflecting on this makes you think, you know, am I ready to face it when all the world is going to be against us? Are we ready for that time? The time of trouble, such as never was, is soon to open upon us, and we shall need an experience which we do not now possess, and which many are too indolent to obtain. It is often the case that trouble is greater in anticipation than in reality. But this is not true for the crisis before us. The most vivid presentation cannot reach the magnitude of the ordeal. You know, uh, I remember one time I was, how many of you guys like doing presentations? At school, you like, I, I I hate it, and so you know I was uh, when I was doing my graduate studies at York University, the uh, professor asked me to do a presentation on you know, like protein supplements and strength training, so I had to do all this research research about protein bars and stuff and present it, and I was on the I remember on the day of, I was so nervous that on the on the bus going to school I was actually hoping that my professor would actually be uh, be killed on the way to school. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds really bad, but I was so scared about doing the presentation. And, but then after I did the presentation, you know, I realized you know, it wasn't so bad. How many have had this experience before? You, know, you thought that something was going to be so bad, but then after you went through it, you know, the exam or the driving test or what interview, you realize you know, that, that wasn't so bad after all. Right? For most things in life, that's, that's the case. You kind of get over it, you kind of get through it. But, she, but Ellen White says that the most vivid imagination, presentation, cannot reach the magnitude of the ordeal. The very solemn words, amen? And so, you know, when I think about this, I'm kind of actually, in a way, I'm actually kind of glad that my mother passed away because, you know, because I would not want her to go through that experience. Yes, but the question that that we have, that me, my sister, and my brother, and all of us have, is that we're still alive. And it might very well happen in our generation. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we ready? Are we ready? And you know, when, you, when we think about what's going to happen, we need to always, it brings us to realize that we need to trust in Jesus more and more. Amen? Amen. What does the Bible say? Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. James chapter 4, verse, verse 8. We still serve the God of Daniel. Yes? Preserve him in the lion's den. We still serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We still serve the God who preserved David from Goliath. And he was able to preserve his children through that time of crisis. In fact, the Bible says that the 144,000 who go through that time of crisis will be the only ones who can sing the song of Moses and the Lamb because they are the only ones have gone through such an experience. Isn't that amazing? And God can give us the privilege of being that, of experiencing that. So, you know, as we you know, commence ECYC, and as we think about you know, revive, revival in the last days, I want to leave us tonight with 
the simple question, are you ready? Are you ready? You know, um, when, when, my, when my mother passed away, the, when the news got around to the different Korean churches, there's three Korean churches in Toronto. So when the news got around, the, the pastor from the Toronto, the, uh, like the central church, he came and he spoke to me and my brother. He said, you know, the Lord took your mother away because your mother was ready. But now, are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? And that's the thing I want to leave with us today. As we think of revival in the last days, we have to ask ourselves, each one of us, are we ready to meet Jesus? And I want to leave us, leave us with an encouraging quotation from the Bible, Philippians 1, verse 6. Let's all read it together. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? Mark Finley says it the best. He says, when I look at the, what's going to happen, I do not know how I'm going to be saved. But when I look at Jesus, I don't know how I could be lost. Amen? So as we think about the last days, some things are very solemn, and they're meant to be solemn because the Bible is a very honest book. God is very, He wants to be very honest with us. But however, when we look at the last days, it needs to draw our hearts closer to trust in God more. And I hope that that's our experience this weekend. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.